0: We're turning again tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the text I'd like to leave with you is found in the verse 21, writing to the Corinthians, Paul said, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Of all the churches that the Apostle Paul visited and wrote epistles to, uh, I think that one of the churches that troubled him the most was the church at Corinth. It was a church with many problems, moral problems, moral uh, misdemeanors and uh, immoral behaviour. But a church that also had many spiritual problems as well. Um, in this epistle or yes in the second epistle to Corinthians Paul had to address the spiritual issues that they were even doubting his apostleship but in writing to the church at Corinth, as he often did in many of his other epistles as well Paul never failed to bring before these people the very heart of the gospel. Paul was not looking to merely make moral people out of them. He was not looking To create a faction of disciples who would love him and in a sense worship him and and hang on his every word. Paul was looking to turn these people to fix their eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So in order to get them to do that, the apostle Paul turned them to the gospel. And in this verse, he turns them to the very heart of the gospel. He turns them to the person And the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well if the Apostle Paul were to write. To many churches throughout the world today. Or those who take the name of a church. I venture to say he would have to do. The same thing as well. Sadly there's many places throughout the world. And they have no understanding. Of what the gospel is. Some think that the Lord Jesus Christ came. To merely show us. How to behave correctly and that we should follow his example of behaviour. Which of course we ought to do but that isn't the gospel. Others think that Christ came to show a new system of religious works to follow. Out with the old. The traditional system of sacrifices in with the new. Baptism and the Lord's Supper and they think that is sufficient for their salvation. Some even err whenever they think that the gospel is a new political ideology. That will create a utopia here on earth. And of course a poor understanding of the gospel is because in many instances there's the wrong teaching of what the gospel is. Many fail to present the gospel as as Paul has presented it to these believers at Corinth. For many they see the gospel as merely being a sticky plaster for a wounded person to help them uh, in their struggles in life. Well, dear friends, the gospel is not a sticky plaster for a wounded person. It's not medicine for a sick person. No, dear friend, the gospel is is much more than that. The gospel is life to the one who is dead in their trespasses and sins. The gospel, therefore, must centre upon the very person and upon the very work of Christ. Anything else, dear friend, is not the gospel if it doesn't bring us to our Redeemer. And even on that issue, there's many who have that wrong understanding of Christ and the cross. Sadly, some think that Christ went to the cross by accident. He never meant to get himself arrested, he never meant to get himself crucified. Others err in thinking that the cross was some kind of plan B from God when things weren't going well with the Jewish people. God reverted to a plan B as if God has ever been left in such a situation. Others mistakenly think that Christ going to the cross was demonstrating a life of sacrifice for other people. No, dear friend, the Apostle Paul sums up the very heart of the gospel in this verse for he hath made him to be sin for us this is the heart of the gospel and this is what I want to leave with you in the meeting tonight Christ made sin for us three headings to leave with you first of all let us note the decree of the Father Verse 21 He hath made him. Who is the He? Well, it's the Father. The Father made the Son to be sin for us. Why did He do it? Why did God the Father make His Son to be sin for us? Well, He did this because the holiness of God demands justice. Many people forget this today or they neglect it or they try to water down or to humanize God's holiness but we cannot um, try to humanize the holiness of God where we think it's acceptable to to ignore transgressions. The Bible makes clear that our God is a holy God and as a holy God he cannot tolerate sin. Think back to the Garden of Eden and how many sins had Adam and Eve committed. That got them ejected from the garden. One sin. That one act of disobedience. Brought them under the judgment of God. The condemnation of God. And the wrath of God. So sin is no light matter in the eyes of God. A holy God hates sin. In every shape and form. And we often try to excuse sin. We will say well it was a little white lie. It was only a little lie to avoid creating a problem. We minimise our sin. We downplay it. We feel to see how offensive and obnoxious our sin is to a holy God. The holiness of God demands justice. God must punish sin in its fullness and its entirety. Many Christians focus only upon the love of God. And they neglect the holiness of God. They neglect the justice of God. But take perhaps the most well-known Bible verse. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world he gave. What did he give? He gave his son. As Paul says here. To be sin for us. But whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. But have everlasting life. And so often we quote John 3 we 16. And we maybe, we maybe uh, put all the emphasis on. For God so loved the world. But the emphasis ought to be on that phrase that he gave. He gave his son to hang on that cross. He gave his son to be there in the sinner's place. He gave his son to shed his blood for the remission of our sins. The holiness of God demands justice. Isaiah 5 verse 6. The Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. And God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. The reason many people don't fear God today is because they don't know about his holiness. They don't know about his justice. If the holiness of God was impressed more upon the consciousnesses consciousness of, of men, if the justice of God was ever brought before sinners, well, we trust that that would have a different impact upon them. The holiness of God demands justice so he hath made him the father made the son to be sin for us for divine justice to be satisfied well for the father to make this decree that the son would be sin it involved the agreement of the son as well both the father and son agreed they covenanted together in that great covenant of redemption For the son to be sin for us. It wasn't that the father said to the son. You're going to the world. You're going to be made sin. For all the elect people. Against the son's will. No. The father decreed. And the son was willing. To be the sinner's substitute. Ephesians 5 verse 2. Said Christ hath given himself. For us an offering and a sacrifice to God. That is why Christ went to the cross. To be a sacrifice. To give himself an offering to God. To satisfy the Father's justice on behalf of his people. To bear their sins upon his body. In order to redeem them. Now for those of us who have parents. A responsibility of little ones. We would never think of doing such a thing. If there was a bus of wicked criminals that was going along and the only way to, to rescue those people from, say, going over the edge of a cliff was to throw your old child in front of the bus dear your friend, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't think of doing that. None of us would think of taking our uh, children and offering them up for wicked, reprobate sinners. We wouldn't do it. But that's what the Father did. He allowed his son to be that offering for sin. Going back to Mount Moriah. God asked Abraham to take his son. His only son Isaac. And take him and offer him as a sacrifice. And it was only that Abraham had faith. That God would raise Isaac from the dead. That enabled him to do it. But which one of us would be willing to plunge that knife into the heart of our own children. To watch them suffer. If anything, we do the complete opposite. We do our utmost to make sure that our children don't suffer. To make sure that our children are healthy. To make sure that our uh, children are cared for. That if if there's the slightest thing wrong with them, we tend to their needs. We don't seek to inflict harm upon them. But the Father gave his Son to be an offering for sin. And Christ voluntarily came. To be made sin for us. But the decree of the Father meant that Christ must keep the law perfectly. The son must not sin. Because God could only accept a perfect sacrifice. As we read through the Old Testament and the book of Leviticus. Which many people shy away from. We will notice something about the sacrifices that God demands. Any lamb that must be brought for a sacrifice to God. Must be a lamb without blemish. You weren't to bring your sick lamb. And say well it's going to die. It's no use to me anyway. I'll sacrifice it to God. You weren't to bring a diseased lamb. One with a broken leg. No. You were to bring a spotless lamb. A perfect lamb before God. One that is fit and healthy. Without any marks upon it. And so it is. God would only accept the perfect sacrifice of those lambs. And the Lord Jesus Christ could not go to that cross as a sinner. He couldn't go to that cross with his own sin. He was to be the sinner substitute. He was to be the innocent one who would transfer his innocence to his people. And he would take the guilt and condemnation of his people upon himself. A transaction was to be done. And that couldn't happen if Christ had sinned. So Christ must, ke- must keep the law perfectly. And that's exactly what he did whenever he was gathered uh, for his trial, Pilate asked the Jewish people, what sin has he committed? What has he done? And they couldn't answer. Oh, they brought charges against him, but they were all found to be false. So Pilate asked the people, and they didn't give an answer. They just yelled out, crucify him, crucify him. And then Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. He was innocent before the Jews. They couldn't do anything. He was innocent before Pilate. There was no fault in him. There was no sin in him. Even Judas Iscariot, the disciple who had betrayed him. He was the traitor. After he had done that treacherous deed, he went back to the Jews. And he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Because even the one who betrayed him could find no fault in him. Paul says, who knew no sin and that's what Christ did. He kept the law perfectly. He kept the law that you and I could not keep. You and I by our very nature. By our very practice. are lawbreakers. Day and daily we break the law of God. Day and daily we are those who, who commit offences against God. But Christ lived for his thirty and three years without sin. Never a, a wrong word. Never a wrong thought. He was perfect in keeping the law of God. The decree of the Father demanded it. And then the decree of the Father meant that Christ became chargeable for sin. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't go to that cross for his sin. for he didn't have any sin. He went to that cross, innocent. But on that cross... He took the guilt of his people upon his own body and soul. And having taken their guilt, he gave to them his innocence. And then, as Christ hung upon that cross, in the eyes of his heavenly Father, he became chargeable for sin. Romans 4.25 Paul says that Christ was delivered for our offences. Not for his, but for ours. It was our sins that took him to that cross. Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath led on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. So, dear friend, Christ went to that cross to be chargeable for our sin, to, to pay the penalty for our sin. It should have been you and I on that cross. It should have been us suffering at the hands of a holy and angry God, but it was Christ. Who became chargeable in our place. Dear friend. If you find yourself in prison. With an enormous debt to pay. And the judge says you'll not be let out. Until that debt is paid. And it ran into the tens of millions. And you had no way to pay it. And one came and offered. To pay that charge for you. So you could go free. He would pay your debts. He would be chargeable for your account. Well that's what Christ has done for his people. He became chargeable for sin. And then we read that something in scripture. That something remarkable happened. That the father was pleased to punish the son in the sinner's place. Now for those of us again who have children. We lay our hands on our children not out of joy or delight, but for their correction. Chastisement is something that grieves us when we have to implement it in our own homes. But we read in Scripture in Isaiah 53 verse 10 that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Father to bruise the Son on that cross. Zechariah 13 verse 7 Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow. saith the Lord of hosts. On that cross dear friend. The father unleashed his wrath for sin. Not upon the wicked. Not upon those who deserved it. But upon his only begotten son. He spared not his son. But delivered him up for us. And it pleased him. To bruise his son. Because his son would redeem his people from all of their sins the decree of the father think secondly tonight of the experience of the son Paul says for he hath made him to be sin for us he made him he made Christ in order for Christ to be made sin for us he was forsaken by the father Throughout all of eternity, the Father, Son, and Spirit knew perfect unity and harmony together. But as the three hours of darkness descended upon Calvary's hill in the middle of the day, for the only time in history, the unity between Father and Son was broken. Isaiah 53 verse 10 says that the Father hath put him to grief. The Father put his Son to grief. Psalm 22, verse 1, with the prophetic words of our Savior Why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And the words of my roaring I cry, thou hearest not. I am not silent. Christ is saying he cries to the Father, but he's not heard. The only time he's not heard is during those three hours upon the cross. When he is forsaken by the Father. Now the Lord Jesus Christ throughout his life. He had been rejected by his brethren. The Jewish people rejected him. They called for him to be crucified. The disciples who had promised him so much. Promised they would be faithful. Whenever he was arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. They departed from him. They fled. He carried his cross alone up the hill. Until Simon was compelled to carry it with him. The Lord Jesus Christ was led up that hill of Calvary and crucified between two thieves, not a disciple in sight, begging for his body to come down. No, one stood afar off and watched. The Saviour was forsaken by all men, and he said nothing. He said nothing to Herod, nothing to Pilate, nothing about the disciples. But whenever the Father forsook him, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou... Forsaken me. Now we couldn't imagine being abandoned by our earthly father. Fathers are to love and care for their children. But here the father forsakes the son. He puts him to grief. And Christ cries out that he is forsaken. Forsaken. This was the experience of the son. But not only is he forsaken by the father. It goes beyond that. Paul says he was made... Sin for us. The Old Testament economy had the lamb sacrifice that was brought. The lamb was put on the altar. The blood of the lamb was shed. And the blood was sprinkled around the altar. It was taken, it was put upon the horns of the altar. It was put in a bowl and it was taken into the holiest of holies and sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And the Lord had seen this happen in his lifetime, but he'd also seen it throughout eternity. As um, the omniscient son of God. But here the Lord Jesus Christ is now taking his place upon an altar. Having witnessed all those thousands, millions of lamb sacrifice. Of bulls and goat sacrifices. He now finds himself on God's altar. For all those lambs and goats. They were only types. They were only shadows. Not one drop of their blood could wash away Sin. Noah's Christ is on the altar of the cross. He's on God's altar. And he's about to make the once and for all sacrifice. For sin forever. And Paul says that the father made the son. To be sin for us. Not just a sacrifice. But to be sin. The father didn't look upon his son and see the son. He looked upon the son and saw sin. And the father punished that sin. Every Last sin committed by Christ's precious people was punished upon that cross. Those things that you don't consider sin, Christ had to suffer for. Those things that you consider little sins, Christ endured the wrath of his father for. Those hidden sins, those secret sins, Christ endured the wrath of his father for those sins. He was made to be sin. He was treated by the Father for all of those sins. Isaiah 53. So often Isaiah is referred to as the fifth gospel and we can see why. How can the Jews not see this? Isaiah 53 in verse 3 he says of Christ, He was smitten of God and afflicted, not smitten by men. What men did to him was Wicked, it was abhorrent, it was horrendous. But it was nothing compared to what the son suffered at the hands of the father, smitten of God and afflicted. Isaiah says, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, that sin that you and I trifle with, those stray words that we are so loose to allow to come out of our mouth. Those wicked thoughts that we allow to manifest into actions—the gossiping, the talebearing, the backbiting—those things that you and I don't really think are sins. The Lord laid all of those sins upon His Son and made Him chargeable for that. Verse ten of Isaiah fifty-three: "Thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin." See, the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't didn't just have a human body. As our confession says he had a reasonable soul. In body and soul on that cross. The Lord Jesus Christ suffered in the sinner's place. His soul was made an offering for sin. Writing to the Galatians in chapter 3 verse 13. The apostle Paul doesn't water down the language of what Christ endured on the cross. He says that Christ being made a curse for us. He was cursed upon that cross. He endured the full wrath of the Father for sin upon his own body and soul. It should have been us upon that tree. It should have been us enduring the wrath of God and deservedly so. But Christ was made sin for us. He was the sinner's substitute. Peter says, 1 Peter two twenty four, 24, Who his own self bore our sins... In his body on the tree. Isaiah 53. He hath borne our griefs. And he has carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The principle of a substitute is very simple. If you were in prison. And you had a life sentence. And you were due to be there till your dying breath. And I went to the judge and persuaded him that I would go into the prison and you would come out. And the judge agreed. The judge wouldn't put us both in the prison and he wouldn't let us both out. No, a transaction would have to be done. You would come out and I would go in. I would be your substitute enduring your sentence. Suffering in that uh, prison house for the rest of my days, so that you could go out free. Well, dear friends, that's exactly what Christ has done for the sinner. It should have been you and I facing the wrath of God for sin. It should have been you and I suffering the wrath of God for all of our transgressions against him. But Christ went to that cross as our substitute. He was there in our place. He shed his blood to redeem us. This was the experience of the son to be the sinner's substitute. The Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples. Greater love hath no man than this. And a man lay down his life for his friends. Thirdly, finally tonight. The purpose of the cross. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God send his son to that cross? Why did the son willingly and voluntarily take up his place upon that tree? Well verse 21 gives us the answer. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have no righteousness. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. But Christ has a perfect righteousness. And he took our filthy rags. He took our wicked righteousness. And he took it upon himself. And he became chargeable for that sin. And he imputes to all of his people his perfect righteousness. So that you and I can stand before God. Without spot or stain of sin. God looks upon the redeemed of Christ as if they had never sinned, because the Lord Jesus Christ hath removed our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. They are put into the sea of God's forgetfulness, never to be remembered no more. God cannot punish the believer for their sin, because Christ has already suffered. He has already paid that penalty. So therefore, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Christ has satisfied the divine justice for all of his people. Whenever in the cross, it's, it's in our English it says, it is finished. But on the cross, he said one word. He said finished. Finished. <coughs> well, how do we know that Christ's sacrifice was accepted by the Father? Well, because he was raised on the third day as evidence that his sacrifice was accepted. The purpose of the cross was to atone for sin. When the Lord commenced his ministry, John the Baptist introduced him with the words. He didn't say, Behold the King of glory. Behold the Lord God Almighty. He introduced him like this. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is. The Lamb of God. He taketh away the sins of his people. Not just the Jewish people. But Gentile people. From north to south and east to west. They shall all come and be seated at the table in the kingdom of our God. He came to make atonement for sin. Because it is his blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Many liberals today. They despise the doctrine of the blood atonement. Many call it ghastly theology. They don't like preaching about the blood of Christ. But, dear friends, this whole book has one theme through it from beginning to end, and it is the fact that it is the blood of Christ that maketh atonement for our soul. 1 John 1, verse 9 The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Christ came to bring salvation. To reconcile sinners to God. To redeem them from their iniquities. To pardon them of all their transgressions. To bring them to God. Well in closing tonight dear friend. The apostle Paul says. But the father hath made him to be sin for us. So what are we to do with this knowledge. Well the Lord, it's not enough that you and I merely hear about Christ. It's not you and I, it's not enough that you and I merely know that the Father hath made him to be sin for us. There's responsibility that's demanded of us. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he began his preaching ministry, Mark one fifteen, he said the time is at hand or the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And that was the message of our Savior. He called men to repentance. And he called men to believe. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He told men, I am the door. By me if any man enter in he shall be saved. So what must you and I do to be saved? We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are to be saved. The saviour said, all that the father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There's the free offer of the gospel. There's the invitation for the sinner. There's the invitation for one who's fearful of falling into the hands of the living God. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Revelation 21, the Savior says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. For the thirsty sinner Christ promises the fountain of water of life freely to you. Come without money. Come without price. The Apostle Paul says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. To the whosoever, the invitation is given to call upon the name of the Lord. And Isaiah 55 verse 6, We are told, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. And call upon him while he is near. Dear friend I tell you today. It's not enough that you hear that Christ was made sin for us. You must come yourself. You must come as that sinner. Who repents and believes the gospel. As the Lord exhorts you to. In his word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are so humbled to read in thy word of a Saviour who was made sin for us, who willingly took our place upon that cross of Calvary, who freely shed his blood for the remission of sin. We thank thee tonight, Father, for such a Saviour, and pray that each one who is in the gathering will indeed make their calling and election sure that if there's any here strangers to divine grace tonight that they would come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So write thy word upon our hearts tonight and let us ever be mindful in those moments when we're tempted to sin that because of that sin he was made sin for us we ask in our Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. We will conclude our worship with Psalm 104. Psalm 104, commencing at verse 30. Psalm 104, verse 30. Thy quickening spirit thou sendest forth, then they created thee, And then the earth's decayed face renewed is by thee. The glory of the mighty Lord continues shall forever. The Lord Jehovah shall rejoice in all his works together. And down to the end of the psalm. So Psalm 104 verse 30. Thy quickening spirit thou sendest forth. I quit the experience and sense form, than then they make free- intimations for the incoming week. The meeting on Thursday night is at the usual time of 7:30 and I'll be taking that meeting. it'll be take the form of uh, another uh, TBS meeting. I'll be speaking on a, on a subject and bringing uh, an additional report on the work of the society. Mm-hmm. services next week at the usual times of 1130 and 630 and they're due to be taken by the Reverend Stuart Farms. There are copies of the seminary journal in the box on the table for those who ordered it. And the double issue of the Witness magazine for July and August is on the vestibule table. And these announcements are all in the will of the Lord. Let us stand for the benediction. Now the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Amen.